Scaling Up Nation, there are so many things to worry about in today's economy. We are not thinking about insurance. And you know what? That's okay. I know it's okay because when I thought about insurance, I chose the best and that was McGowan Insurance. And I know they are thinking about my insurance. When I'm concerned about how much our raw materials are costing, or even if we can find those raw materials and get them shipped to our facilities and worrying about all of the things that we have to do in this current economy, I can rest easy because they are thinking about me and making sure that I have the best insurance for my company. I get phone calls from McGowan letting me know that I need to do something different. Does this sound like the relationship that you have with your insurance carrier? If it doesn't, trust me, you are too busy to worry about insurance. Find somebody you can trust like McGowan Insurance. To find out more about McGowan Insurance, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash McGowan. That's M-C-G-O-W-A-N. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up podcast, and we are right in the middle of Legionella Awareness Month. A couple of years ago, we weren't able to go to our conferences, and of course, one of the conferences we go to is all around Legionella, and we figured since it's normally held in August, why not make that August Legionella Awareness Month? Well, little did we know that would stick, and we are back again with Legionella Awareness Month. And of course, the more you know about something, the better you can handle it. So this month is all about Legionella, getting you to know more about something that is very important, something that we probably don't do the best job of explaining to our customers. And when we can do a better job explaining it, we can let them know what they are supposed to do and arm them with some tools that they can do it with. It's all about education, and that's what I hope you are getting from this Scaling Up H2O podcast. Something else I hope you get is a knowledge that there are so many things going on out there in our world that if we get involved, we can devour more information. And that's why I always bring to you some current events that are going on so you can decide if this is something that you should attend. So here are a couple of things that you might wanna put on your calendar. The first one is the One Water Summit. That's gonna be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, September 12th through 15th. The U.S. Water Alliance's One Water Summit gathers the most diverse group of water stakeholders in the United States, and it is all around the future of water. If this sounds like something that interests you, go to our show notes page and you can read all about this event. Something else I want to add is the great team here at the Scaling Up H2O podcast has updated our website and there is now a calendar of events. So we made it even easier for you to see what is going on in our industry. Now, here's something I hope is already on your calendar, but if it's not, go ahead and get that on there. And by the way, if you go to our calendar of events and you click, it will actually put it on your calendar for you. That's how awesome my team is. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the AWT's 2022 Annual Conference and Convention. That's going to be September 21st through 24th in Vancouver, Canada. I will be there Almost 90% of the Rising Tide Mastermind members are going to be there. And then so many other of my water treater friends are going to be there as well. I cannot wait to see you. If you are there, please come up and see me. I want to know that you listen to this podcast and I'd love to hear your ideas. I love meeting members of the Scaling Up Nation. Now, if you own a business, go ahead and get in a day early because AWT is putting on their Business Owners Conference. And this is where experts in the industry are getting up and telling you some best practices around business, how they're handling some of the issues that we are experiencing owning a business today. So if you run a business, you definitely don't want to miss that. 
You, of course, can go to our show page and you can find out all about that. We will send you to a link straight over to AWT. And also we will have that calendar of events that you can put that directly into your calendar with a simple click. The last thing I'll mention is the International Desalination Association is having their convention October 9th through 13th in Sydney, Australia. So if you are in the desal industry or water reuse, this is a conference that you want to look into. There's so much going on in our industry. That's why I want to make sure I keep you aware of what's going on during our episodes. I'm hoping you can use the Scaling Up H2O podcast as your one-stop spot to find what is going on in our industry. Well, Nation, before we get to our guest, let's hear another Thinking on Water with James. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James, the segment where we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about corrosion coupons. Do you use corrosion coupons in all of your accounts? Why or why not? Do you use pre-treated or pre-stressed coupons? Why or why not? Why should you avoid touching fresh new coupons with your fingers when installing? Do you consider the orientation of the coupons when installing? Do you install them so the flat side is vertical or horizontal, or have you never thought of this? We previously thought about the order of the coupons, but now is another good time to think about that too. How many days do you leave them in the system? What would be the impact of removing them sooner rather than later? What can be determined by visually observing the corrosion coupons upon removal? How do you communicate the results? Do you save the old ones for annual review, take a picture or scan, or dispose of them? Take this week to think about corrosion coupons and how to most effectively use them. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's Thinking on Water. I'm James McDonald, and I look forward to learning more from you. James, as always, thank you for making us think. Well, I'm really excited to introduce my next guest. We've had her on the podcast before. She is definitely the expert when it comes to Legionella. Here's our interview. My lab partner today is returning guest, Dr. Janet Stout. Janet, how are you? Well, every day that I'm with you is a great day, so I'm terrific. I saw that we were recording today, and I was so excited. I was trying to count how many times you've been on the podcast. Do you have a count? I was going to say four. No, it's more than that. Is it's it more than, than that? that? Well, I, I've interviewed you at the AWT at least four times. Oh, well, right, right. Um, I want to say you've had appearances on at least four, five, or six shows where we've asked you to come in and speak on something. You did some things when we were reopening all of our buildings. I, it's a lot more. And, and I'm glad you came back. You must be having fun. Well, it's never dull. That's what I say. And, um, <laughs> and I'm always a glass half full person. And, uh, and like I said, it's always a pleasure to be with you and um, all of your listeners. How many did you say you had? Uh, you know, I am very humbled to say this number, but we're north of 12,000 now. I mean, that's just incredible. So kudos. And we're in the top 100 in Sweden, Ireland, and Italy. So I have no idea how that happened, but it's amazing. Yeah, well, you know, it's just wonderful the reach that you have uh, with all these people, and and you know, I'm I'm always interested in education, and so this is to me just another opportunity to share what I know and help your listeners to deal with Legionella and and other things. Actually, whenever we talk about Legionella, people tune in and people share it, and one of the things that my team does is see how much of our content gets shared. And people just want to know more and more and more about Legionella. By the way, happy Legionella month. Oh, thank you. And I love that you have a month dedicated to my favorite bacteria. Well, and it's it's more Legionella Awareness Month, knowing what it is and what we as industrial water treaters should do about it. 
And when you and I talk, you know, sometimes it feels like we're saying the same thing, but people are still curious. Is it that a lot of people haven't heard it for the first time? When you educate, what are you finding how people are taking all the information that you have? Well, it's a really interesting question. And the way that I think about it, it's sort of like that, you know, bell-shaped curve. And there are early adopters, people in the middle, and people that are late adopters. And the late adopters are kind of the folks that are like, you know, I think I should know more about this, but I'm not getting pressured to do that. There's no there's no law, there's no requirement. You know, and that's that's an area where we're trying to get that changed. But I think that that's really explains it. And and so wherever people are on the curve, there's either new information for the people that were early learners and then, you know, a recap of things for the people that are coming along later. So this is just a great opportunity to really put that all together. Thinking back where you and Bill Pearson were doing all the work for the AWT with ASHRAE, and um, it was almost every year, hey, this is coming, this is coming, we're getting a standard coming. And we were on year 10, and we were like, yeah, right. And what was it, 2015, July, when it actually came out? Yes, 2015. After You're right. It was 10 years I went. And this is where I always ask people for sympathy. I had to go to those meetings twice a year for 10 years. And it finally happened. And and then we were all like, I wish somebody told me. And you're like, I've been telling you for 10 years. (laughs) And, And then... I know I myself were thinking, okay, is this going to sit on the shelf? Is anybody going to do anything with this? And it was almost a month to the day that something happened in New York. And they adopted a part of ASHRAE 188 as law. And what are we, seven years after that now? Yes. What's happened seven years after the first piece of legislation of 188 became law in New York? Well, you know, I was a little disappointed, actually, after that 10-year period of um, what came out was a, an important standard. You know, the United States had lagged behind the rest of the world, really. There were requirements, law in the UK, Spain, you know, all over the world, France, Germany. And, uh, and so finally, you know, we had something in the United States that was an industry standard, but the, the little fine print said that it was a voluntary standard. So when the outbreak occurred, and sadly, Trace, you know, people have to die before something happens, you know, then we had public health law as a result of those more than 100 cases and multiple deaths in the Bronx in New York City. So that's just really important that we cross that barrier. And then, you know, there have been additional changes to 188 over those ensuing uh, seven years. And one of the things, actually, that I put on my list to to say to the audience is that, you know, you need to be aware that 188 is on continuous maintenance. Guideline 12 2020 is on continuous maintenance. And now we've got a new proposed standard from ASHRAE, uh, standard 514P for proposed. And I want everyone to stay abreast of those changes and what's happening. And the best way to do that is to enroll or sign up for ASHRAE Standards Action. So if you Google that, it'll take you to a page to register. And what happens is they push everything that's going on with ASHRAE Standards to your inbox. And then you look to see, you know, is 188 anything happening, uh, Guideline 12-2020, and 514. And so I want people to be aware, participate. I really put a call out to people to to submit comments to the ASHRAE first public review period, which ended May 30th for that proposed 514 standard. And many of, I'm sure many of your listeners don't even, they're like, what? (laughs) There's another ASHRAE standard. So that's ASHRAE standard uh, 514P, risk management for building water systems, physical, chemical, and microbial hazards. So uh, be aware that that's coming you know, to a theater near you, so to speak. And there's a real need for input from your listeners and people in water treatment and others to comment on this standard. And I'm sure there will be another public review, probably won't happen until the fall, 
but be aware that that's out there as well. And so I think we need more teeth like the public law in New York, and it's happening. And I'm, I'm really excited to say that what that teeth means is legislation. And, uh, and I actually got frustrated when the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services backpedaled on their requirement for Legionella testing in their Legionella memorandum in 2017, reissuing it in 2018, saying it's at the discretion of the facility. So if any facility should be testing for Legionella, it should be healthcare, right? Well, it's still at the discretion. And so we need to say, no, you shall, you must do this. And so, you know, law, uh, legislative bills are going into various states in the United States, New Jersey, Florida. Uh, the most recent one was California. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And, and I actually reached out to my own senator in Pennsylvania, and that bill has been uh, reintroduced this year. So I want everyone, you know, if you're in those states, Google Legionella bills, uh, and if you're in those states, contact those, uh, those sponsoring senators and say, I support this bill. Well, Janet, I'll make sure to put the link that you mentioned on our show notes page. So that way nobody has to Google anything. Nobody has to wreck their cars by trying to take any notes. They can just go straight to the scalinguph2o.com website and do that. I remember how important that was when I was on the AWT board and you and Bill were doing such good work within writing or, or being a voting member for 188. And every time that came out for public review, you said, please, please review this. We want to know what you think. And it was amazing. You know, I always thought, okay, I've got a couple of comments. Maybe they'll read them, but they're not going to do anything with it. But I, I've seen comments that I've made be addressed, and that, that meant a lot. So just imagine if we have a lot of people that know the industry pouring into that. Yes. And, and, you know, the Association of Water Technologies, AWT, did submit comments on behalf of the membership. But, you know, we really need to hear from practitioners, you know, people who would be directly impacted by the proposed standards. So really, really important to have that input. As you mentioned earlier, it's all about education. And we've got all different waves of people that are educated. Uh, a lot of people were early adopters. Well, probably not as many as we wanted. And now there are people that are realizing, okay, I don't have a choice anymore. My customers are demanding this and they need to know what they, let's face it, should have already known about Legionella and some of the other bacterias out there. You're really strong on education. You're trying to lead the pack when it comes to education. So what are you doing right now to help those people? I love that you use the word help, and, and it's help in the best way possible. So when, you know, ASHRAE came out originally, now there's actually a sentence in ASHRAE Standard 188 that says no training is necessary to do this standard. And, and certainly that was important at the beginning because we want to know obstacles for people to uh, do water management, risk assessment, things like that. But what I saw happening is that, you know, like everybody and their brother and sister said, I can do that. And, uh, and they were, the spectrum of knowledge was really wide. There were people that, you know, really knew what they were doing. And there were people that were just saying, you know, I'll do it, but, you know, I really don't know what, anything about this. And so I really felt that that gap of knowledge needed to be filled. And so I reached out to um, an organization called ASSE, the American Society of Sanitary Engineers. Uh, it's a standard-making body. Uh, their uh, sister organization is IATMO, which is an education uh, and training um, body. And I said, you know, would you be interested in creating an ANSI standard, professional qualification standard that sort of, you know, basic knowledge about all things Legionella? And they said yes. And so it took them a year and a half to do it. In the spring of 2020, it was approved by ANSI. And so we sort of stepped into the role as one of the first instructors to deliver training so people could sit for the certification exam and, and get that credential as a certified Legionella water management specialist. 
And so at this point in time, since uh, August of 2020, we've trained over 400 people. And so they passed the certification exam and now have that credential. And so that, that education is you know, Legionella, kind of, a, you know, what's the epidemiology, the disease, its transmission, prevention, uh, construction-related risks associated with Legionella, disinfection, other waterborne pathogens, all of, and, and also how, to, how do you handle an outbreak investigation? Like, hopefully that never happens to you. And all of that is packed into three days of virtual training, at, at the end of which you can sit right away for the certification exam or, or for two weeks later. And all of that is orchestrated through IAPMO. So you can get information about that and uh, information to register on our website, specialpathogenslab.com. And I, you know, I just highly recommend it. And, and you'll appreciate this, Trace, because I know you're a fun guy, not fun guy, fun guy, that we make it fun. You know, so there's a lot of peer-to-peer interaction between the participants. So there's people from infection prevention, facilities, water treatment, public health, sharing the knowledge that they have in the various breakout sessions and Q&A sessions. So it's just really we make it fun. You can't see me, uh, but I have my Legionella Party Crasher hat on. We send everybody a Party Crasher hat and a Legionella Party Crasher button uh, and and the guidebook that we've written. So that's one of the things, sort of the big thing on education that we're doing. But the, you know, it's the little stuff too. It's ongoing education. And so we do that through a what we call the Puzzled by Legionella Wednesday webinar series. And what that is, is it's lunchtime, it's 12 noon Eastern time for about 20 minutes, the speaker gives a talk, and then there's live Q&A afterwards. And I'm really excited about the June 22nd one. It's about Sphingomonas. I bet you haven't even... Yes, I bet you haven't even heard of Sphingomonas. Well, Sphingomonas is sort of a distant relative of Pseudomonas, and uh, I read a paper about an outbreak. Uh, it's in water, an outbreak of this waterborne pathogen at the uh, National Institutes of Health. And I reached out to the infectious disease physician who reported on that, and they are giving the talk on June 22nd. And then the next one's uh, the American Society of Drinking Water Administrators talking about you know, certified operators and, and, and past webinars are available on our website. And, and the last ones were on codes and standards, you know, the impact of plumbing materials on Legionella and waterborne pathogens growth. And we had one on, you know, the microbiome of, of plumbing. And uh, so we try to make it interesting and exciting for, for everybody to keep learning. And, and, you know, I know you're a lifelong learner, right? It's one of my goals. Well, I think you accomplish your goal on a daily basis. You know, I've always looked at a day that I did not learn something new was a wasted day. Yeah, and I, I get really excited. So so you've learned something new today already. Now you know there's a bacteria called Sphingomonas. I'm not going to remember how to say it, but yes, I know it exists. I know you've, you've really helped me with my biology vocabulary. Uh, so I'm a chemist by trade, and I got through biology, but my hat is off to you, and I wish I had a hat like yours. I don't know, bi- biology just wasn't, uh, was, didn't come to me as naturally as chemistry. So I'm glad I have people like you in my corner. Well, we got to have multidisciplinary connections, right? So you can teach me chemistry and, and I can teach you microbiology and then we can, we can beat Legionella down. I love it. I love it. I'm going to let the Scaling Up Nation blame you for this because you just reminded me of one of my worst dad jokes. You talked about a fungi, so a mushroom walks into a bar and asks the bartender for a beer, and the bartender says no, and the mushroom replies, why not? I'm a fungi. (laughs) I apologize. It's Janet's fault. Please don't send your letters to me. Send them directly to her. Well, I have something um, to share that I hope will make you laugh. So it's a little bit of a riddle. Why did Legionella cross the road? Why did Legionella cross the road? To get away from Dr. Stout, of course. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. 
There you go. Well, uh, can I ask you a couple of questions about the uh, the exam for yeah. ASSC 1280? So uh, we always talk about the CWT exam and people want to know how to sign up for that, what it's like. Can you explain the process for the ASSE exam? Yeah. So, well, first of all, where do the questions come from? So a group of uh, experts, I wasn't part of that part of the process, but they came together and uh, designed those questions, much like the certification exam uh, delivered by AWT. ASSE delivers the test. It's a proctored exam. It's through your computer. And so somebody's watching you uh, as you take the exam. It's a hundred question exam. You have to pass it with 80 or higher in order to be certified. And so they they make it very easy. When you register for the training, they register you for the exam. Uh, And as I said, you you can take it immediately after uh, the training or within two weeks. It's kind of nice that 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 cost for the exam is included in the training costs and uh, as well as the guidebook. Uh, and, And so they make it very, very easy for you. And and, you know, everybody sort of gets nervous and starts sweating when, you know, they have to take a test. So I can tell you that our pass rate is about 96%. Wow, that's great. Well, I'm pretty proud of that, actually. Uh, and I, I attribute it to the, the instructor team that we have and the format. And, you know, if you make people have, you know, make them laugh, make it enjoyable, it, you know, the information sticks better. So, you know, people don't have to be too nervous at the end of the uh, training. Uh, they can have great confidence in their ability to pass that certification exam. If somebody already has their certified water technologist designation, is this something that they should do? Yes, yes. And this is there's two ways to do it, or the two ways that I think about it. One is, as I mentioned, you know, everybody and their brother or lemmings to the sea said, I could do this. Um, well, how do you differentiate yourself? You know, you know that you're better and different than the rest of the pack. Well, this, uh, having this uh, credential, you know, at your signature block, and you can tell people I'm credentialed and a certified Legionella water management specialist through ASSE makes you different. And, and I'll just share real quick. I, I just came back from the National Infection Prevention Conference, APIC, and I went to a, a session on water management. And in the bio sketch of one of the speakers, it said that he was ASSE certified to 1280 as a Legionella water management uh, specialist. And, and, you know, these things differentiate you from other people. The other thing that's going to happen, especially in healthcare, much like there's a requirement for training called ICRA, Infection Control Risk Assessment. And whenever they contract with people, they want to see that they are ICRA certified. And and the uh, Carpenters Union does that. ASSC and the UA do that. Uh, So that's a credential that will be required, that is required for people working in construction in hospitals. And I predict that that will be people looking for hiring people that have the certification. Well, let's shift gears just slightly. Is there anything new going on in testing? There's some saying about everything's new, but it's not. And so there's a lot of discussion about polymerase chain reaction. And I think it's just, you know, although marketing is extremely important, a lot of the times uh, this sort of thing is, is sort of marketing. And what I want people to understand about polymerase chain reaction is it's been around a long time. Uh, the first study I did with PCR and Legionella was with uh, OSHA, actually, back in the 90s, uh, because they were doing going out and doing case investigations and they wanted results quicker. And so they uh, teamed with us to evaluate at that time um, a commercially available PCR test. And one of the things that was true then and continues to be true today, is that there was great concordance matching in terms of results, presence, and and, and if you're doing quantitative PCR amount between Legionella and Ammophila testing by culture and Legionella and Ammophila testing by PCR. Good concordance in every study that we've done uh, from the beginning to now. So I have great confidence in that. What's new on that front is that now we can we can sort of parse out presence of Legionella and Ammophila serogroup one, 
with a different probe. So now you've got Legionella pneumophila, Legionella pneumophila surrogate one. That also showed great concordance, right? The one that hasn't shown great concordance is the is the probe that's for the family, the Legionella family, all 60 species in the family. There's a probe for that. That is often positive when culture is negative. So there's not concordance. And I saw that back in the 90s and continued to see it going forward. And in fact, one of our PhD graduate students really identified the reason why. It's because that probe reacts with things that are not Legionella, things like Pseudomonas, non-tuberculous mycobacteria, Proteus. So it's picking up other things but it's saying it's Legionella. So my caution to everybody is be careful about interpreting the genus probe that says it's one of the Legionella species. Always, if you're going to use it, always use it together with culture to be sure. The other takeaway about PCR is that there's something called negative predictive value. So if my PCR is negative, am I really pretty sure that the culture would be negative? And the answer to that is yes. So many people are saying you could use PCR with confidence if it's negative. Uh, and so I can know for sure that or have great confidence that the culture, if it's done, would also be negative. So those are my two really important, I think, take-home messages when using PCR. And most of the time we use it in case investigations, and that's really the only time that speed really matters. When you're doing water management, you're using testing for Legionella to validate, that, and this is the language of water management, to validate that the plan is working, that you are controlling Legionella. So it's a check mark, you know, to close the loop on that process. You don't have the urgency there. So we can tell you within four or five days if Legionella is present or not. You have the piece of data that says my, my program's working or my program needs to be tweaked or my water treatment uh, of the cooling tower needs to be tweaked. So only, you know, the, the speed sort of benefit of PCR is really mostly germane uh, in case investigations. I'm sure there are listeners out there and they're thinking, you know, I'm supposed to test for Legionella. So I do it once a year just to make sure I can check the box. And I've heard you speak on percent of positivity. Do you mind letting the nation know a little bit more about that? No, I'd, I'd love to actually. And, and when you, you mentioned earlier the New York state and um, you know, regulations that came out of the Bronx outbreak. So for New York state, there's New York City regulation in New York state, and you will actually see the 30% metric related to the presence of Legionella in building water systems. You'll, you'll actually see them use that as a cut point. And it actually comes from our work at the Pittsburgh VA Medical Center back in the 19, yeah, I'm going to have to reveal how long I've been doing this, back in the 1980s. And so what we did is every month we would test the water and we would test the patients. And we were looking to see when a case of Legionnaire's disease popped up. Well, every time it went, the, the testing of the water went above 30%. And that means if, just for easy math, if more than three out of 10 faucets or showers are positive for Legionella, particularly Legionella pneumophila serogroup one, bam, we'd see a case. And then we'd do, at that time, we were doing heat and flush. We'd knock it down. We'd follow, follow the environment. We'd follow, follow the patients. As soon as the percentage of positivity of those faucets and showers went above 30%, bam, again, we'd see a case. And so that paper was published in the 1980s. So that tells you when the risk goes up to an unacceptable level. The other piece of this with the 30% metric is, and you can appreciate this, Trace, I think, you can't completely eliminate Legionella, whether it's from a cooling tower or a potable water distribution system. You can knock it down, you can hold it down with water treatment, but you can't eliminate it. You're never going to sterilize a water system or a cooling tower. It's just naturally occurring bacteria. So we're not asking people to get to zero Legionella. We're asking people to get to zero cases of Legionella, right? So that's the real goal. 
zero cases of Legionnaire's disease, not zero Legionella in the water. Jenna, something that I get the privilege of doing is some water treatment companies ask me to come in and look at their accounts or look at their service reports. And before somebody finds a mistake, can I find a mistake so they can learn from it? And just recently, there were some high tests on uh, positive Legionella, and they said they did a sterilization on numerous reports. What should that report have said? Disinfection, not sterilization, because sterilization means you've eliminated uh, the bacteria completely. You can't do that. It's impossible. So, and what is a typical disinfection? So we, we did some tests, we found some positives, they were high enough that there was an action step that was needed. Is it one size fits all? Is it just what we're used to doing, what it's easy to do? How do we determine what the best course for disinfection is? So it depends on which type of water system you're talking about. So in your example where you were auditing, which kind of water system was it? That was a cooling tower. Okay, cooling towers. So again, we're not looking for zero Legionella in the water. And and you'll see some metrics, for example, and I'll just do a plug for the Cooling Technology Institute Guideline 159. Uh, I would encourage everybody to get a copy of that from CTI. It's very inexpensive, but it's one of the best examples of managing cooling towers and specifics, not only of targets, but also putting the testing into context. So one of the things I've always sort of hammered is that this testing is not, a, and the results are not health-based metrics. It's not that these numbers mean you're not going to have a Legionnaire's disease case or you are going to have a Legionnaire's disease case. These are performance-based metrics. They are telling you how well your biocide program is performing in controlling Legionella. I am perfectly fine with anything above, you know, like if you if your results are 20 colony forming units, you're good, you're maintaining. And if they start to go up logarithmically, tenfold increases, 10, 100,000. So at each one of those increments, now we have to have a corrective action that isn't dump a whole lot of bleach into the tower because for a long time people were just doing so much damage to their cooling towers by doing what used to be called the Wisconsin protocol. You know, any positivity made people very nervous and they just hyperchlorinated the heck out of it. You don't have to do that. You can have incremental changes in water treatment with logarithmic changes in a cooling tower of Legionella. So concentration-based metrics in a cooling tower where you've got a body of water and you can test it is fine. In a, in a water distribution system, as we just talked about, that 30% metric, you're looking at how extensive the distribution of Legionella is through the entire system. And it also depends on who occupies the building. So if you've got a commercial office building, uh, I don't get as nervous about the presence of Legionella as I do in a healthcare facility, you know, that has a bone marrow transplant unit or an oncology unit or an ICU or a NICU, neonatal intensive care unit. No babies should ever get Pseudomonas or Legionnaire's disease, right? And so those are the times when you want to either in response to case or a suspected case or constantly being in excess of 30%, you need to start talking about disinfection approaches. So it's easier to apply chemistry to a cooling tower because you don't have to worry about exceeding drinking water regulations. But, you know, the, the toolkit for potable water, you know, chlorine, chlorine dioxide, monochloramine, UV is not that great, maybe in a small area. Ozone, not so great because it dissipates so quickly. So those are the typical tools in the toolbox to address the presence of of Legionella in water distribution systems of buildings. They all have pros and cons, and that's why you need professionals trained in what those pros and cons are, what the limits are, and how to sort of navigate that regulatory maze for permitting is really important as well. I'm thinking back a couple of years ago, and of course, we're still experiencing it, but there was this thing called COVID, and the world shut down, and the water in our buildings just stagnated. 
Then we came back online. There were issues. I'm curious, as a microbiologist, as a legionellologist, what did you learn during that time? Well, I was really, really worried. And this is the reason why I was really, really worried is because with all that stagnation and lack of, you know, treated water coming into the building, you know what the bacteria were doing, Trace? I imagine they were having a party. They were having a party in the pipes. And so I was like very, very concerned about this. And I, and actually there was a front page New York Times article about Legionella being found in schools during the COVID shutdown. And so there it was, you know, not just schools, but other buildings that had been shut down, you know, commercial office buildings, uh, schools, you know, parts of long-term care facilities, hospital units. And so it was a a, a confluence, you know, the perfect storm uh, for Legionella to have the party in the pipes because the growth of those other organisms create uh, growth factors that Legionella needs. There's no disinfectant in that water. So what happened was a lot of people in water treatment and microbiologists and others got together and they sort of devised some protocols for how to approach those shutdowns how to do uh, chlorination of those buildings, flushing protocols, all of that, to try to make sure that the water that's in those shutdown buildings doesn't cause disease. So, you know, I'm still sort of waiting for the other foot to drop as buildings come, come online. But I think you talked earlier about, you know, people learning about Legionella and the risks. I think one of the things that makes me feel good is that when the shutdowns happen, people were thinking about Legionella. They were thinking about the fact that this situation increased the risk for people going into those buildings after a shutdown. So, so that did my heart good, uh, made me feel like we have really come a long way in our understanding and people responded to that risk pretty quickly. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit. And if you don't mind, I'm going to let the Scaling Up Nation know of a conversation you and I had. Um, it was probably a couple of years ago. And you learned that I had an assistant. And uh, I'm very particular about how I like things done. I, I like to be high performing. I, I like to do things for people. And I like to make sure that I can get things done. And I just couldn't do them all myself. And my secret is I don't do them all myself. I have got a fantastic team that helped me do everything that I do, including produce this podcast. And you were asking me a little bit about that. And uh, I'm just curious, what did you find from that conversation? And what did you end up doing? And was that helpful? And what does the nation need to know? Right. And so everybody, I think, knows this intuitively, but also needs to be reminded from time to time that you don't get to a certain level of accomplishment by yourself. And, and, you know, I like to take the opportunity lots of times to give kudos uh, to the people that, that not only helped me to achieve the goals that we have of ending Legionnaire's disease and crashing the party in the pipes. So we have many, many people here at Special Pathogens Laboratory working together to accomplish those goals. And so there's a couple of things uh, that come to mind when you ask me that question, Trace. The first one is I asked you about a virtual assistant. You know, actually, it really wasn't my idea. It was the people around me going, hey, <laughs> Janet, you can't get all this done. Uh, you need help. Yeah, they care about you. They they want to get you some help. Well, yeah, and um, and I was I was like, great idea. How do I find an assistant? And so that's when I called you up and I said, you know, what do you do? And you gave me a great recommendation because I was trying, I was struggling with a uh, a warm body in the office versus virtual, and and you really helped me kind of lean towards virtual, and it was it's been a godsend. And the person that you recommended was, is just terrific. So I would say, you know, for people that, uh, you know, the images, I don't know if you've seen these jugglers where they've got the plates on the sticks and they're trying to keep them all in the air. And if you're like that, if you're one of those people and you, you definitely need an assistant and they can increase your productivity and effectiveness uh, by taking those things off your plate. And then the other thing uh, that we did here 
that you and I have talked about as, as two things. One uh, is the organization Vistage uh, for CEOs, COOs, and then there's a, a level for you know, sort of the manager or supervisory level within your organization to teach them, share learning, empower them. Very valuable. And then from that, actually, I was introduced to EOS, which you you also, these are things that you and I have shared, mm-hmm. uh, both in terms of our knowledge and, and also experience and the benefits of having done that. And so I, I just think if you want to be a, a high-performing individual and a high-performing business, you need to look outside of your expertise and get people that are uh, you know, have systems, have programs that can fine tune your organization. So, you know, I, I, I can't say enough about the benefits of that. I'm pretty sure you experience the same thing. Am I right? Absolutely. And I'm thinking I had a very similar situation where a good friend of mine in a group that we meet on a regular basis, he was saying, Trace, there's no way you can do all this. I'm worried. Are you going to have a heart attack? Are you taking care of yourself? I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? And I kind of brushed him off and, and he cared about me and he kept asking. And he was the one that gave me the solution. And I never even thought about uh, an assistant, let alone somebody that was virtual. And then I told him that, um, and really what it was at first, I was ashamed that I couldn't do everything. And I didn't want people to know I couldn't do everything because then maybe I'm failing, but I was. I can't do everything and, and nobody can. And he was trying to help me and people around me were trying to help me. And then I had to wrestle with the fact that, well, if I had time to train somebody, I would have done it by now. So how could I possibly get somebody to help me? But of course, you do something one, two, three, four, five times while you're training somebody, you never do it the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and on times. And and that's where the time comes back. Yeah. And um, as you're talking, I'm remembering too that you know, not only did these things like Vistage and um, EOS help the organization, but you need to also be helping the individuals within your organization. And the busy guy that you are, you know, you do this thing called masterminds. And I really have seen a tremendous benefit. Uh, there's two people that have been in our organization that have participated in that have, have just grown leaps and bounds. And it sort of touches on the both the professional development, but also the personal development uh, that we all have to go through if we're going to be, you know, fully successful humans, not only in our business, but in our personal lives, family, friends as well. And, and so, you know, you didn't pay me to make that commercial for you, but it is part of what I have implemented in our organization to really, you know, if you're going to be a race car, you know, to really really tune up the race car. Well, thank you for that. And and this is a very unique perspective for me because you're a business owner. You are not in the Rising Tide Mastermind, but you've got two individuals that are. What was the conversation like when they asked you if they could join? And why do you continue to let them be members and, and give their time and, of course, the, the money that it takes to be a member? Well, a couple of things, you know, they obviously heard it from their peers and the value uh, that it brought to them professionally as well as personally. And and I think you've integrated into Mastermind some of the concepts that uh, you and I have learned through Vistage and EOS and, and then taken it to another level. And so I was already primed to understand the value of that kind of thing for for people, both professionally and personally. And so when they told me about it, and of course I knew you, and I was like, of course, uh, that's a great idea. And so uh, they didn't both join together. One did it first and then said, you know, I really think you would benefit from this as well. It's kind of like in business, the best thing is word of mouth, uh, people ex- having a positive experience and then that's sharing that with others and uh, just coming away a, a better professional and a better uh, human. And, uh, and, and as a business owner, you know, uh, one of the things I always say to people is, you know, we work so many hours, you want to come to a place of work that feels good. 
that you're valued, uh, that has that the the culture of the organization has core values that are meaningful and, and that you know represent the people as well as the business. And so all of that comes together. Uh, to really make people, I think, feel really good about who they work for, where they, the organization, and then the people within that organization. And and the, so it fits just very naturally into that. Um, and then, you know, as a as an owner of a business, you want people to want to stay in your organization. You invest a lot in training them and, you know, kind of growing them as a professional and you want them to stay with you uh, as long as possible. And so I think in this day and age, especially, you know, with uh, that's one of the post-COVID things, you know, we've been talking about COVID, you know, people leaving their professions, people retiring early, having difficulty filling positions, you know, you just really have to pay attention to the people that, you know, make that engine go. I'm reminded by, I think it was a Wall Street Journal cartoon. It was two managers talking to each other, and they said, what if we invest in our people and they leave? And the other one said, what if we don't and they stay? <laughs> that's a great That's a great one. Uh, Jenna, in just a short month, not even that long, we're going to be in Vancouver together at the AWT conference. Tell us what you guys are doing there. Well, you know, we always uh, come up with a theme, and and so you know, it's a big reveal, so I can't tell you, but you you know, it'll be fun, right? And I'll just remind people of last year was the party in the pipe, so we were the party crashers, and so we did that '70s disco look, and then one year we did BLT. I remember that best legionella test and we served little mini blt sliders and we dressed like chefs and so and then you know we were we were just talking about you know fueling uh, your company and one year we did uh, sort of the the indy 500 race car theme and we had uh, you know driver jackets on and that sort of thing so we make it fun we talk to people about the educational opportunities with ASSC and other things. Uh, we're working on an online version of that. So we'll have a lot of things to talk about. I will say my favorite that you did was the Legionella Lager and the Stout Ale. I'm trying to remember, what was the theme for that year? I just remember the beer. <laughs> well, there was this place in Pittsburgh that you could brew your own beer. And then they, they allowed you to have a custom label. And so the the stout ale had my picture on it. And the Legionella lager had a picture of a culture plate with Legionella colonies on it. And we had a little, little competition, you know, which one would win the taste test, you know, Legionella lager uh, or stout ale. And it was a really, it was a, a tie. Uh, and it was really, really fun fun to do that. So it wasn't so, it was just like, we were just having a good time. Every time I walk into my local grocery store, I'm, I'm looking for those labels. I can't imagine that they have not made it out to a national level yet. Well, Janet, it's always fun to have you on the show and it's always fun to ask you lightning round questions, but since it's your 12th time here, I got to keep making questions up. So uh, here are some questions that my staff wrote for. So are you ready for the new, new, new lightning round session? Let's do it. All right. So as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, believe it or not, I, I really wanted to be a carpenter. And, and here's the story. Uh, they were building a house next door and I was about five. And I would go over there every day. I was like underfoot with the workmen. And then at lunchtime, you know, what eventually would be the living room, they'd sit around the unfinished walls. And this guy would always have a Kit Kat in his lunch. And he would slide it across the floor to me. And I just thought that was the greatest thing. So I thought I'd be a carpenter. So uh, everybody's wanting to learn more. What should people have on their bookshelves to learn more about Legionella? Well, our guidebook, of course. Of course. Of course. And uh, you can go to our website, you know, specialpathogenslab.com, and you can purchase the guidebook by itself. I wrote this book with help from others, of course, uh, like we were just talking. But the design of it was intended to make it fun, colorful, easy to read, 
hitting all the most important points about Legionella. And I think we did a great job. And, you know, there's QR codes, you know, sort of is our QR codes the best thing? They are. We're using them on products. It's amazing. Now, I haven't done a PowerPoint in years without a QR code so people can actually go somewhere and get more information. Right. So we have QR codes in there that take you to videos about, you know, uh, how to sample cooling towers, uh, you know, bacteria replicating inside of amoeba movies. I mean, it's just really fun. So I would say if you need a book on Legionella, get the Puzzled by Legionella book by the Legionella experts. Well, our producer here, Corinne, wrote these questions, and I know for a fact she's a Marvel fan, and she really enjoyed WandaVision. Did you see that? I didn't. Well, and the premise is, is two Marvel superheroes were trapped in a TV show. So if you were trapped in a TV show, which one would you want it to be? You know, that's a, there's so, there's so much great TV now, right? But lots of times I'm channel surfing and I'm, they're always playing Seinfeld episodes. So I think I'd love to be trapped in a Seinfeld episode because it's so hilarious. I love Seinfeld. I'm curious, which one would it be? Which is your favorite episode that you want to live over and over and over again? Well, it's got to be... Elaine dancing, right? Oh, exactly. <laughs> so many good ones. As soon as I say that, everybody's like, you can see the can thumbs see going out. And <laughs> that's great. Last question What is one thing you think everybody should experience within their lifetime? International travel. And I say that, I mean, there's so many great places to go, but this is the reason that I say it. I found when I, uh, you know, my father was career Navy and they, you know, the saying was, you know, join the Navy, see the world. And well, mine was study Legionella and see the world uh, because they, I got invited to go to places like Paris or, or Berlin. And what I remember about it is that it was incredible, but it was humbling because you don't know the language and you learn about other cultures and we're not, you know, we're so U.S. centric over here. Uh, it's just really opens you up as a person when you travel internationally. Janet, thank you again for coming on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. We always learn so much when you're here. Well, it's just always fun. And I, I'm so grateful to you, Trace, for inviting me. And one of my favorite words is gratitude. Uh, and there's this, there's this uh, phrase in this book called The Power of Nice where it says, it's not happiness that brings gratitude, it's gratitude that brings happiness. And so I'm really grateful to you for the opportunity. And I hope I get to come on again sometime. Janet, we love having you on the podcast. We always learn so much when you pay us a visit. Of course, Janet has been on multiple times, and I'm sure we're going to have her on multiple more times. It's so great when we can get the experts around a particular topic to dispel some of the myths and folklore we all hear about certain topics. And when it comes to Legionella, I want to say that we're all getting better at sticking to the facts. But let's face it, there's still some misinformation out there. So making sure we know the right dialogue we need to have with our customers and we know the tools that we can help get to them so they can make better decisions, that means that we are being the best advocate that we can be for our customers. And if we can do that, they are going to stay our customers for a very, very long time. If you want to get some of the information that Janet was talking about, she does a great job of updating her webpage. She's got just a treasure trove of information all about Legionella, things you might not have even thought about asking. So if you go to scalinguph2o.com, go over to the show notes, we'll have a link that will take you directly to that area on her webpage. And I think you will be very glad you made the trip over there because there is just so much documentation. It will allow you to really educate yourself so you can do a better job with your customers. 
Nation, I love that we are celebrating getting to know a topic better together. And together, we will make sure that we're bringing good information to our customers. That good information will help make good decisions. And those good decisions will make all of our companies healthy and make sure that we are making the water treatment industry better. One customer at a time, one water treater at a time, one company at a time. Nation, I will be back at you next Friday with a brand new episode. Until then, have a great week, folks. Why do we call our mastermind the Rising Tide Mastermind? Well, I know you've heard me say before, a rising tide raises all ships. That's one of my favorite quotes because it's so true. The better we do, the better somebody else can do and vice versa. That's exactly what the Rising Tide Mastermind is. It's our members helping other members to achieve success and to get there further and faster. To find out more about the Rising Tide Mastermind, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.